0: Do, uh, do any of you have guilty pleasures? Raise your hands. Go ahead. It's all right. Raise your hands. Those of you that didn't raise your hands, I know you're lying to me. <laughs> Let me explain to you what I mean by a guilty pleasure. I mean, a guilty pleasure for me anyway. Now, you may have a different uh, definition of it, but a guilty pleasure for me is something that's not necessarily bad, but it's not necessarily good for you either. I mean, I've got lots of... Guilty pleasures, most of them revolve around food. I'll just be honest with you. Um, I, I do my very best to take care of myself, to eat right, to eat well, all of that. But there are times I indulge. Uh, I love sweets, for example. I never get enough sweets, but I, I kind of wait till the weekends most of the time to give myself the privilege of doing that. But this summer, I have, I have indulged in a another uh, guilty pleasure. Most of the time it's because Lisa makes me. I'm just going to tell you right up front. Have you guys, have, you know when you're driving down uh, Interstate 80 and you, you come to the Williamsburg exit, right off on the Williamsburg, there's this, there's this, it's like this glowing sign from God. Do you see it? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> No, I wasn't talking about the, the tanninger. No, that's not, I, That That's Lisa's. That's does. It's, it's McDonald's, right? There's a glowing sign. Have you seen it? You know what I'm talking about, right? I Every now and then, when going back and forth between here and the cabin, I have, we have stopped and, uh, at McDonald's and indulged. All right? I love, every now and then, Megan, I know it's hard for you to believe, did you, do, did you do that this summer too? I figured you did. Every now and then we would stop and I would get a quarter pounder of cheese. <gasps> or even better than a quarter pounder of cheese, I love the biscuit and sausage and egg uh, biscuits. You guys like those things? I love them. But I don't do it all the time. Bob. Just every once in a while. Now, here's what's ironic. If you if you've ever stopped at that McDonald's or at at, the outlet mall, you'll you may know that right on just literally directly across the street from McDonald's, there is another restaurant called the Landmark. Has anybody ever eaten at the Landmark? Wonderful place, isn't it? I and I will tell you right now that they serve everything that I like at McDonald's at the Landmark, except for it's better. Right? Do you guys agree? Nine times out of ten, guess where I stop? McDonald's. You want to know why I stop at McDonald's even though the food's better at Landmark? Because I hate to wait. I hate waiting! And I know that I'm the only one that hates waiting just because of the burgeoning uh, uh, fast food restaurants that are all over every street corner all across the nation. I know I'm not the only one that hates waiting. In fact, that's human nature to, to satisfy our, um, uh, instant grat- our need for instant gratification, right? The only time we, we um, will choose to, to wait are those few times in our lives when we recognize that waiting is actually beneficial to us, That it's that we're going to get something that's even better than the instant gratification, right? Well... This morning, as uh, if you're a guest or visitor with us, we have all this year, we have been on a journey through the parables of Jesus, and today we're going to be looking at a parable that highlights um, the ability, the choice to wait, the value of waiting. And um, if you have your Bibles, I want you to open up to Luke chapter 12 page uh, 1039 or 36, somewhere right around in there, of the church Bibles, if that's what you're using, because they're starting at verse 35, is where we find our parable for today, which is often known as the parable of the faithful doorkeeper. As you're looking that up, let me just take a few moments to uh, set the context for what the parable that we're going to be looking at today. If you step back away from Luke chapter 12 for just a moment, maybe you get a kind of a 10,000 foot view of Luke chapter 12, what you'll discover is that much of what is discussed in this chapter, not everything, but much of what is discussed in Luke chapter 12 revolves around the issue of stewardship. Now you know what stewardship is, right? Stewardship is um, when we choose or when we learn to manage the resources that we have been given well. Being a good steward means to manage the resources that you've been given well. Um, Jesus, for example, talks about stewardship when he says to the um, disciples, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. He's saying that because they are call, he's calling them to be good stewards of God's Word. Did you know that, that God's Word is constantly under attack? All the time. The world in which we live in today is a perfect example, but it was happening 2,000 years ago as well, that there will be people who will strive to either cover up or pervert the truth of God. So God is he's saying to his disciples, be a good steward of the truths of God. Protect it. Manage it well. That's your responsibility as a believer. Manage the truths of God, the gospel, well. Last week, Pastor Billy um, preached on the parable of the rich fool. You remember that? And, he, and that was uh, all about the stewardship of our possessions. Um. There's, there's a lot to be said about the stewardship of our possessions. Your, what, what you possess is valuable. But what we learned last week is that stewardship of those possessions, one of the primary things that you should learn about your possessions when it comes to stewarding them is not just investing in them well or investing them well, but is remembering their place, their appropriate place in your life. You know, this is what I fear for you and for me too. My fear is that you're bad stewards of your possessions. Not that you're investing them badly or in a wrong way, but that you have placed them as a higher value in your life than you ought to. One of the best, one of the most important things that you need to learn about um, stewardship of your possessions is where their appropriate place is in your life. Because if you miss that, you're going to miss a lot, and you may very well miss Jesus. So be careful. The last um, stewardship issue that Jesus addresses in Luke chapter 12 is the stewardship of time. Now, how, what, what comes to your mind when you think about the stewardship of time? When I think about it, you know what the first thing comes to my mind is? I hate wasting time. Don't you hate wasting time? I hate wasting time, which is one of the reasons why I think I hate waiting. Because I always associate wasting time, Waiting with wasting time. But let me ask you a question. Is it always a waste of time to wait? No. There is value in learning to wait well. The question is, what does that look like? Well, the parable today, I think, gives us a... uh, an insight in what it, learns to, what it means to learn to wait well or to be a good steward of your time. So, let's read together. It'll be up on the screen, but I want you to read out of your Bibles as well. Use those things. Luke chapter twelve thirty-five goes like this. It says, stay dressed for action. Jesus is saying this, right? He says, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for their master waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Verse 37. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake or waiting when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service. Listen to this. It's saying that the master, the boss, will dress himself "...for service, and have them, his servants, recline at the table, and he will come and serve them." Go ahead. "...if he comes in the second watch, or in the third, and finds them awake, or finds them waiting, blessed are those servants." But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, He would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming. The Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. Now, all throughout this parable, Jesus is highlighting the value of waiting well. He's saying that if you choose to wait well, if you learn to wait well, you shall be blessed. Who doesn't want to be blessed, right? If you you learn to wait well, and what does it mean to to wait well? If you kind of deconstruct that passage a little bit, you begin to understand that waiting well means to uh, wait expectantly. To um, while you're waiting, pre- be prepared. Prepare yourself for what you're waiting for. You can use that time, in other words, productively. That's what it means to wait well. Wait well, and you shall be blessed. Now, here's the most important thing that you need to learn about waiting waiting, in and of itself, is not a virtue. We already said that, you know, you can waiting can also be a a sign of wasting time. So waiting of in and of itself is not necessarily a virtue. God tells us what true waiting, godly waiting looks like. And it's found in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. He says, Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. So listen to me. Simply waiting is not necessarily beneficial. Waiting upon the Lord will lead to blessings. It will lead to blessings situationally. If you find yourself coming into a situation and you wait upon the Lord, you shall be blessed. You'll find yourself not rushing into them or rushing Through them or away from them? Because you're waiting upon the Lord. You're asking God to be present in the midst of a situation. And when God is present in the midst of the situation and guiding and directing you, you can count on being blessed in the middle of it, even when it's not necessarily good. You will be blessed relationally if you choose to wait upon the Lord. So many of us rush into relationships and then through them and then often out of them. Because we refuse to wait upon the Lord, let like God being the one that guides us and directs us and, and leads us. And I also believe that you will be blessed financially for the same reasons if you wait upon the Lord. Wait well and you shall be blessed. Now, let's step back away from this for just a second. You may have come in, you may have read, knowing that this was going to be the parable that we were going to read today, and and when you found out that uh, I've spent almost the entire time this morning talking about a parable about waiting, many of you may say, this parable isn't about waiting. This parable is about the second coming of Jesus, right? And make no mistake, Jesus is coming back. He is. Whether you believe it or not, Jesus is coming back. Nonetheless, did you know that there have been people in every generation who have believed that Jesus was coming back in their generation? And what is every one of those people doing? Waiting. Why? Why is God waiting? Why is he making us wait? Have you ever thought about that? I think about it all the time. The truth of the matter is, God through His Word, gives us insights into those questions. For example, in 2 Peter 3.8, it says, um, To the Lord a thousand years is as a day, and a, thousand, and a day is like a thousand years. In other words, um, it may feel to you and I that it's been, we've been waiting forever, right? But to God it's just been a couple of days. In other words, God's view and perspective on time is so different than ours. And we have to understand that. You have to come to grips with that, that that God knows what he's doing. Those who wait upon the Lord, right? God knows what he's doing. But nonetheless, even though, let's, let's just say that we're operating within God's economy with regards to time, we're still waiting. Why? Why are we waiting? Well, he tells us that too. Um, In Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, Jesus says this. He says that the gospel must be preached in every nation. Only then will the end come. I was telling them at the first service, did you know that there's a... uh, uh, I read an article not too long ago that said that they're right now in the process of translating the last... um, known language in the world in the Bible into the last known language this the first time in the history of the world that the Bible has been available to every people group in the world did you know that? that's pretty exciting it also kind of makes you wonder right? It's the first time God is waiting because you're worth it. You see, it's God's desire that every human being would have the opportunity to be in relationship with Him. That's what He's waiting for. But God is not going to wait forever. He's not. Which makes me wonder about some of you. I know that there are some of you that have came, come into this church today and you have not, you've been waiting to accept Jesus as Lord. I don't know why. Why? Maybe it's because you think simply coming to church is enough. It's not enough. It's not good enough. Maybe it's because you think, well, I read my Bible. Well, that's not good enough. Well, maybe it's because you think, well, I'm kind to people. That's not good enough either. There's only one thing that is good enough. One thing. And that is Jesus. That's accepting Jesus, submitting to Jesus as Lord of your life. Have you done that? See, I know that there's some somebody here, at least one of you, that hasn't. And if you don't listen to anything else that I have to say today, consider that. Don't wait any longer. Jesus may come back right now. Or you may get hit by a bus on the way home. <laughs> That's not funny, but it could happen. You shouldn't wait. You need Jesus. So... Some of you are saying, well, the reason why I'm waiting is because I I don't know how to do it. What am I supposed to do? I thought I had it figured out, and now you're telling me I don't. Let me make it very simple. Number one, you need to confess that you're a sinner, and you are. Every single one of us is a sinner. There's not one of us who hasn't sinned except for one, and his name is Jesus. And he is your only hope. The second thing you need to, first you confess to God and to yourself that you're a sinner. Second thing you need to do is you need to repent. What does it mean to repent? That means to turn from your sin towards the cross of our salvation, which is Jesus. And number three, you need to submit. You need to let Jesus be in control. You need to want what He wants more than what you want. That's what it means to have Jesus be your Lord. You need to trust Him even when you don't understand. That's what it means to have Jesus as your Lord. If you've never done that, why are you waiting? Today is the day for you to say yes. Now, right over there is our prayer room. Um, It would be my privilege to pray that prayer of salvation with you but you don't need me you could go home and pray that prayer all on your own you just need those three things but if you'd like to pray with the pastor i'll be right over there if there's something else going on in your life that you need prayer for